0: me, and I'm so thankful for all He's done for me. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, please, to Romans chapter number 12. Now, as many of you know, we have been studying in Romans chapter 12 for the last two weeks. We're going through the book of Romans and our Wednesday night Bible study expositorily, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through the Word of God. And man, it's been such a blessing to me. I'm so thankful for the book of Romans. I hope it's been a blessing to you as well. And I'll be honest with you folks, I really didn't think it could get any better in the book of Romans. And then we got to chapter 12. And it kind of reminds me of something my son said to me years ago. Gage was probably, I don't know, three, maybe four years old. uh, He went with me to the gas station one day. And as we went in to pay for the gas I just pumped, he was standing there at the counter and saw... Uh, in the candy rack, some of the bubble tape bubble gum. you may remember the <laughs> bubble tape bubble gum? Had the little container with the roll of bubble gum in the middle of it. That's probably the, the best bubble gum that's ever been created in my opinion. I love some bubble tape myself. So he started asking for it and um, there was a little bit of a selfish reason for me allowing him to get it. I wanted a piece myself. And so I said, yeah son, you can get that. And he put it up there and we went back out to the car after we'd paid for everything. I strapped him back in his car seat and gave him his bubble gum. <laughs> and uh, he was in the back seat. I was, of course, driving in the front seat, and I could hear him smacking all the way from the back seat, and I could tell he was really enjoying that bubble gum. I said, son, what do you think about that bubble gum? He said, daddy, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder, and that's kind of how I feel about the book of Romans. The further we go, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder, and that's what we found In Romans chapter number 12. That's what I want to share with you today. Now, I was planning on finishing this up Wednesday night, but I just didn't want to wait that long. I wanted to share it with you this morning, and I felt the need to uh, by prompting of the Holy Spirit to go ahead and share what the Lord's placed upon my heart in Romans chapter 12. But now before we do that, I want you to keep your place there in Romans chapter 12, and I want you to flip back with me to Mark 14, okay? I just want to read a few verses in Mark 14, then we'll come right back to Romans 12. Look what it says in the 14th chapter of Mark concerning what happened with Jesus at the house of Simon the leper. The Bible says that Jesus was there with his disciples in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper in verse 3. And as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she break the box and pour it on his head, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, "Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence. Three hundred pence was more than a year's wage for the people that uh, were living in that time, and so this was a very costly ointment that the woman had poured upon the upon the Lord Jesus. And it says here that." This could have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Now look what Jesus said in verse six. This is so powerful. Listen to what He tells them. And Jesus said, "Let her alone. Why trouble her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whomsoever ye will, ye may do them good. Um, but me, ye have not always." Listen at listen at verse eight. This is what I wanted to get to. She hath done what she could. Does everybody see that? She's done what she could. Now let me ask you something. Is there anybody in this place this morning that cannot do what you can do? Anybody? I know that sounds like a silly question, but I want you to think about it. Is there anybody that cannot do what you can do? You say, well, of course, if I can do it, then I can do it. And, and I think that's the point that Jesus is making right here. He do not say Uh, she's done what somebody else could do or hasn't done. She has done what she could. Now let me tell you what I believe this means. I believe this means for each and every one of us that we can all do what we can do. God is not asking for what you can't do. God's asking for what you can do. God's not asking you to do what someone else does. God's asking you to do what He's called you to do and given you the power to do according to the person of the Holy Spirit. And what we find in Romans chapter 12, like I've said many times, is the gospel in shoe leather. It brings us to the duty of the child of God and shows us that we all have a ministry. And I want you to get a hold of that. If, I'm going to, if I was going to entitle my message this morning, it's going to be how to find your serve. I was listening to the Rick and Bubba show this week, and Bubba happens to be... A tennis player and he was talking about one of the professional tennis players that he likes and he says he's got to find his serve he's got to find his serve now i know they're talking about tennis but man that just spoke to me as christians we need to find our serve i'm not talking about what you do on the tennis court i'm talking about what you do in the body of christ what you do for the kingdom of god we got to find our serve we've got to discover our ministry And Romans chapter 12 certainly helps us to do that. It speaks of the duty we have as a child of God to be a part of what the Lord is doing in this world. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know this morning, you have a ministry. If you've trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, you've got a ministry that God wants you to accomplish. And God's already given you the power through the person of the Holy Spirit to do so. This is the amazing thing that we see here in Romans chapter 12. I feel so many times people think, well, preachers have ministries, and missionaries have ministries, and evangelists have ministries. Folks, I want you to know, every child of God has a ministry. Every child of God has a place in the body that they can serve, and they need to be serving in. One of my absolute favorite daily devotionals, is a book written by Dr. Rick Warren. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. Have any of you ever heard of The Purpose Driven Life? He talks a whole lot about what God has saved us for. If you believe this morning God has saved you to serve, then say amen. God has not saved you to simply come and sit on a church pew, but God has saved you to serve in his body. Rick Warren says that we all have a shape, each and every one of us. And he describes it like this. The shape that we have as believers starts with our spiritual gift. You need to recognize and realize that all of us as believers have a spiritual gift. I do. You do. We all do. If you've been born again into the family of God, you have A spiritual gift. Now, a spiritual gift is much more than just a a fleshly ability. Now, fleshly abilities are important, and we'll see that in just a minute, and God can use them. But when I'm talking about a spiritual gift, I'm talking about a supernatural gift given to you by God the Holy Spirit At the time of conversion, when God came into your heart and life, listen, He gave you a gift so that you might be used in the body. Let me prove it to you. I just want to read to you one scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. You can flip there if you choose. If not, that's okay too. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Everybody say every man. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that's a part of the body of Christ, you've been given a gift of the Spirit. A manifestation of the Spirit for the purpose of profit for the body. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 is telling us. So all of us have a spiritual gift. You need to find out what your spiritual gift is and then get busy serving in the body of Christ. Not only do we have a spiritual gift, but we have a heart And what I mean by that, all of us have a heart's desire. All of us have dreams that we are dreaming. All of us have fantasies that we are fantasizing about, about what God is going to do and wants to do in our lives. We have a heart's desire, and God can certainly use that as well. But let me tell you something else. We've also all got ability. I'm talking about these things that... You can do that maybe others can't, that separates you. What I mean by ability, hey, some of you are good carpenters. You know that you can use that ability you have for the glory of God, to serve in the body and to help others. Some of you are good cooks, I know it, man, I beat you cooking. And I want you to know you can use that ability you have to serve in the body of Christ and to help others some of you have the ability to sing like a bird I praise God for brother Scotty and those who lead our church in worship they have that ability to praise honor and glorify the Lord and minister to others through the gift of singing you have that ability some of you have an ability that you are not using that you should be using and could be using for the body of Christ all of us have an ability let me tell you something else all of us have personality each and every one of us have a personality. Now, all of us are different, and our personality is different. Some of us are extroverts. We're people people. Amen? We love to be in a crowd. A lot of people like that. They're social butterflies. That would be the extrovert. Some people are introverts. And I'm a, I'm a weird mix, I think. I, I'm okay being in the crowd, but I'm certainly okay being by myself too. I'm an extroverted introvert. I really am. And some of us are like that. We all have different personalities. The introvert don't really like being in the crowd. They like to be by themselves. They usually think deeply. They feel deeply. Uh, and, and that's just what introverts do. So we're different in that way. Some people are melancholy in personality. That's who uh, writes the poet poetry and sings the songs. I believe King David would probably had a, a touch of a melancholy personality. Some of us are cleric. And what I mean by choleric is that You're very detail-oriented. Usually, these are business leaders. They know what what direction they're headed in. They've got a plan, and they're very uh, they pay very close attention to detail. So we're different uh, as far as our personalities go. Now, this is the amazing thing: God has made us different, with different likes and dislikes and personalities, so that He might make us one. I want you to think about a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, I don't know if any of you like to put together jigsaw puzzles, but to make the puzzle come together as one, all the pieces have to be different. (laughs) If they're not different then they don't fit together like they need to fit together. But when you get them all put together with all their differences, you have a beautiful picture, and that's exactly what I want you to see with the body of Christ. We're different. We have different spiritual gifts. We have different hearts' desires. We have different abilities and different personalities. But when God brings us together by His power, He uses us to accomplish His good will and purpose as one. Now let me tell you something else we've all got. We've all got, each and every one of us, experience. Different experiences, good and bad, that we can and should use for the glory of God in helping others. Some of you maybe have lost a child. That's a very bad experience. My heart goes out to you. But I want to, want to tell you something. Know God can use that bad experience in your life so that you might speak into someone else's life that's going through what you've already been through. Some of you came from broken homes. Let me tell you something. Do you know that you can use that experience that you've been through to help others that are going through that experience right now? God can take experiences good and bad from your past and work in and through you today so that you might be a help to others and an asset to the body of Christ. Let me tell you what I love about the Lord. God's grace is truly amazing. You know God can take my mess and make a message from it. You know God can take your mess and do the same thing. Folks, I'm not proud of my past. There's a lot of things that I'm very unproud of. There's a lot of things I still deal with and I still struggle with about where I was when Jesus found me. But let me tell you what I found out. God can take all that stuff, even the bad stuff, and He can use it for His honor and His glory as He helps me to minister to other people. He takes our mess, our experience, whatever it is, and uses it for His honor and His glory. We've all got a shape. we got to find our shape, get into the work that's happening in the body of Christ, and be used for God's honor and His glory. So how are we going to find uh, find our serve? How are we going to discover our ministry? There's four things that I want to, want you to see this morning in Romans chapter number 12 that I hope and pray will be a blessing to you. First of all, you must present yourself to the Lord sacrificially. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, and I, I, we, me and Brother Ben Harris have spent two weeks on this passage of Scripture, and we could probably spend five or six more, but... Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there this morning. You can go back and look at what's been said in the last two weeks. Uh, in our online services on Wednesday nights, but he says that he beseeches us. The Lord is asking something of us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, we said last Wednesday that that means we need to give everything to the Lord, give our all to Jesus. Listen to me, folks. Give God your body. Give God your mind and give God your will. See, it's your mind that controls the body and it's your will that controls the mind. And when you give it all to God, I can promise you He can use you in a way uh, that is a a blessing to others and, and also... An act of worship unto him. See, that's what a a sacrifice is. It's an act of worship that's actually put on the altar. Can you say amen? It's given God everything, it's given God all. Now, I told you Wednesday night, and I still believe it according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 20, that we have been bought with a price. If you believe that today, say amen. Now, you know, God's mercy has been bestowed upon me. Praise the Lord. The Bible says His mercies are new for me every morning. Let me tell you why I like that verse in the book of Lamentations. I like that verse because I need God's mercy every morning. I know my thoughts. I know my feelings. I I know things about me that y'all don't know. (laughs) Amen. I've told you before, folks, if you could take my thoughts from time to time and put it up on this screen, you probably wouldn't let me be your pastor anymore. But the truth is, if I could take all of your thoughts and put it up on this screen, I'd have a whole lot more to preach about. Why? Because we're all struggling in this flesh from time to time. I need mercy, and mercy has been bestowed upon me. Grace has been given to me through the finished work of Jesus. Mercy is us not receiving what we do deserve. Grace is us receiving what we don't deserve. I get all the riches of God because of who Christ is and what Jesus has done for me by His finished work. So grace and mercy has been bestowed upon me. The precious blood of Christ that was shed at the cross has been applied to my heart and life by faith. And like I've said before, God's grace, God's mercy, God's salvation is a free gift, but it's certainly not cheap. It costs the Son of God and God the Son, His precious blood, so that we might be set free. So Paul says we need to give everything to Jesus. What we actually need to do is take our hands off of what's already God. Amen? He's bought the believer with a price. Jesus paid the ultimate price at Calvary so that we could go free. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says, this is not an unreasonable thing. It's very reasonable. I mean, after all, if Jesus took my death and, and gave me His life in ought to use this life to honor and glorify Him. It's just reasonable that if He took my darkness and gave me His light, I ought to be a light in this world. It's just reasonable that if... Jesus gave everything for me, or to give all to him, or to serve him. It's my reasonable service, and child of God, it's your reasonable service. William Booth understood exactly what it meant to be a living sacrifice. Some of you have probably heard of William Booth. He's the founder of the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army was started in London, England in the 1800s and now is a worldwide ministry that God uses greatly to impact the world and to build the kingdom of God. A great evangelist once asked William Booth, he said, General Booth, you have blessed the world. What is your secret? Listen to what he said. I love this. William Booth replied, God has all there is of me. There have been men of greater brains who had greater opportunities Than I, but from the day God gave me the vision of what he could do with poor old London, I made up my mind that God would have all there is of William Booth. I love that. What's he saying? God, other men can do more than I can do. Other men are smarter than I am. Other men have more opportunity than I have. But God, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm going to do what I can do. Listen to me, folks. That's all God's asking. Are you doing what you can he said of the woman who put the ointment upon his head and anointed his body for burial she's done what she could I've got to ask myself is Israel doing what he can you need to ask yourself are you doing what you can hey are you serving in the body you need to present yourself to the Lord sacrificially but Like J. Vernon McGee always said, the only problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps trying to crawl off the altar. Isn't that the truth? That's where I struggle. That's where we all struggle. See, I realize the great debt that I have to the Lord. The Bible um, tells us that plainly that, listen, The the ultimate price was paid for us. Now, I don't serve God out of obligation. I don't serve God to repay a debt, but I realize it's to grace I'm a debtor. That's what the old hymn song says, that, that we are debtors to God's amazing grace. Come thy fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise, mercy flowing, never ceasing, it's amazing what God has done by His mercy and His grace. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Bind, my, bind me, Lord, like a fetter by, thy, by, by your grace to, to you, because I wonder. I'm prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We need to understand and realize, as God's people, we are debtors to grace. Amen? Present yourself sacrificially if you're going to find your shape and find your serve, discover your ministry, but let me tell you something else. You've also got to be transformed spiritually. Present yourself sacrificially, but be transformed spiritually. It says that in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now there's two things that I want to tell you about this verse. I want to talk to you about direction and duty. All right? Direction you get From the word of God. That's why the Bible says renew your mind. (laughs) And don't be conformed to the the, the shape, the uh, the make and mold of the world. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't be conformed to the world. But be ye transformed. And you are transformed as you receive God's truth from his word which gives you direction. Let me tell you this though. Then it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us that works on us, that works through us to accomplish God's good will and purpose that we accomplish our duty. We get our direction from the Word of God and we get the power of the Holy Spirit to apply what we've learned. Amen. Now, how does that work? Well, let's just take it, for instance, what Jesus said in John chapter 13. One of my favorite commandments. John 13, 34, he said, I give you a new commandment, that you love others as I have loved you. John 13, 35 says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So let me tell you something, Mount Zion. What we need to be is the people of love. Can you say amen? What this must be is the place of love. Loving one another so that a lost and dying world wants what we've got so that they see a difference in our lives. So how do we accomplish this? We get direction by God's word, John 13, 34 through 35. Then we allow God the Holy Spirit to work on us, work in us, and work through us to accomplish his goodwill and purpose. How does that work? Just last week, let me tell you just a for instance in my life, dear brother text me Last Tuesday morning, about 5 o'clock. Now, he didn't know what I was going through. He didn't know what I was thinking, what I was feeling. I'm going to be honest with you. I love being a pastor. I love preaching. I know it's what God's called me to. But I'm going to be just as transparent and as honest as I can possibly be. Some of the meanest people I've ever been around in my life claim to be Christians and sit on a church pew all the time. It can be discouraging. It can be tough from time to time. Had one pastor friend tell me not too long ago, he said, Man, I quit every Monday morning. Then I re enlist about dinner time. I know what he's saying. So this brother didn't know what I was going through last Tuesday. Didn't know what was going on in my mind and my heart, but God did. He texted me at 5 o'clock last Tuesday morning. He said, my brother, I don't know what's going on with you, but God had me on. has had you on my mind all night. I couldn't even sleep. I've been up praying for you. I just want you, I want you to know I love you, and I want you to know that God loves you, and I want you to know he's hearing your prayer. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Nobody else knew. My own personal struggles, but God knew. And what God did, he prompted that man to love people Like Jesus loves people. When we get direction from the word of God, we allow the Holy Spirit to prompt us, lead us, guide us, and direct us to then do what we've found to be directed to do in God's word. Does this make sense to you? Direction and duty. Direction from God's word. Duty fulfilled by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is how we are transformed. If you got it, say you got it. Let's go on. So we've got to be present ourselves sacrificially. We've got to be transformed spiritually speaking. But let me tell you something else. We also have to evaluate rightly. Evaluate ourselves rightly. And that's what he makes clear to us in 3 and 4. Listen what he says. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, there's two things that usually happen to all of us as believers. Either either we sinfully exaggerate ourselves. That happens. We get prideful and puffed up and we think it's all about us. Or we use a false humility, which is sinful, as an excuse not to serve the Lord. That happens all the time. Let's take those two things. What does it mean to sinfully exaggerate yourself? It's to build yourself up to be something you're not. To think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You ever been around these folks? They just have this arrogance about them. They have this air about them that they know it all and nobody else knows nothing. You ever been around them? You have been around these folks that got it all figured out and everybody else is struggling except them? You have been around these folks who have all the answers but never ask any questions? You ever been around these folks? All of us have from time to time. And if we're not careful, all of us can get there. Being prideful in ourselves. So Paul warns us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Let me tell you something that'll bring you down a little bit, that'll help you, that's helped me. Do you you realize that all of us are earthlings? What does it mean to be an earthling? It means that we came from the earth, and we'll go back to the earth. We'll go back to the dirt from which we came. Can you say amen? What the Bible tells us, now physicists tell us, I read this last week, man, it blew my mind. They can take uh, when a when a, a human body decomposes into the earth, they can measure the components that are left in the soil, and they gave us a value for what's left after decomposition, after man, after earthlings have went back to the earth. You know what it's worth? About three dollars and fifty-seven cents. Does that bother you? See, when when you go getting that nice new car, whatever it is, $3.57 is driving it. When you build that nice new home, and, and that's great, all that's well and wonderful. Just remember, though, 3 dollars lives in that home. When you go and, and take that out of your bank account or put into that bank account, you've got more in your bank account, probably, I hope you do, more, than more. you've got more in your bank account today than what you're worth. $3.57 is depositing and debiting money from your checking account. Always keep that in mind. Folks, listen, we are nothing without Jesus. We can do nothing without Jesus. But the good news is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We don't need to sinfully exaggerate our abilities and who we are. We don't need to get puffed up and prideful and think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. But let me tell you something else. Listen to me now. What we we sometimes do on the other end of the spectrum is is we demean ourselves. And we use a false humility. I just can't do nothing. I'm just an old filthy rag in the eyes of God. You ever hear that stuff? Listen to me. Very plainly, you may have used to been a filthy rag, but if you've been born again into the family of God, you're now sons and daughters of God himself. Are you hearing me? See, what I love about Jesus is this. You don't have to have an inferiority complex if you're right with the Lord. Guess what? When it comes to the gospel, To the message of salvation it levels the playing field because all of us are sinners standing in need of a savior i am no better than anyone i am no worse than anyone we all need jesus amen now let, let me tell you this now listen i also want you to know as a child of god you don't have to look down Bow your head to any man because God sees you as his son. God sees you as his daughter. You are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. You are a royal priesthood. You've been born again to be used of God in his body. Amen? Listen to me, folks. God can, will, and wants to use you. And a lot of people are living unfruitful, joyless Christian lives because they're not doing what they've been saved to do. You've been saved to serve. You've been saved to work in the body. Amen? So evaluate yourself rightly. Present yourself sacrificially. Be transformed spiritually But let me me give you this one. Participate willfully. Watch. Watch what the Bible says, um, verse 4, 5, and 6. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one. Say, many are one. Say it again, many are one. one. Say it loud, "Many many are one. Great. Many are one. Many members that come together to make up one body. We are placed in the body as many members to become one so that we might fulfill the purpose of the head. Amen. That's the picture that Paul paints here in Romans chapter 12 and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He uses the analogy of the human body to describe the body of Christ. Christ being the head. Christ is the one who leads, guides, and directs. Christ is the one who has the plan and purpose for the body, and then it's up to us to come together as many members so that we might go out and accomplish what we've been saved to accomplish. Let me ask you something: A hand is no good without a body. Would you agree with me? Let me just say: What if I cut my hand off and went and put it in a drawer? And Miss Heather, then you went to that drawer and just happened to open up, seeing my hand. Would that be an awkward sight? probably would wouldn't it now uh, the hand in the body that's not an awkward sight that's normal that just makes sense that there's usefulness here there's purpose here but when you when you take that hand from the body then it makes absolutely no sense now let me tell you something a lot of children of God are struggling through life and they really don't listen their walk with the Lord ain't making no sense their service ain't making no sense that they're not living out the joy God has for them. They're not walking in peace. Let me tell you why. Because you're separating yourself from the body. Listen, i want to tell you something. What God does, He does through His church. And if you're going to be a part of what God's doing, you need to get in the church, get in the body, and get busy. Amen? Man, I I grow very tired of these people who talk about, well, I can serve God just as good at home as I can in the church. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. That is not biblical. That is a lie from the pits of hell. You can't do it. Let me tell you why. Because I'm not there. Let me tell you why I can't serve God just as good at home. Because you ain't there. We need one another. God has saved us and put us together being different so that we might make us one. And as God makes us one, something beautiful happens. The presence and power of God then begins working through his body to accomplish his purpose. Get in the body and get busy. Amen. Find your shape and participate willfully. There's a lot of people who need to be participating in what God is doing in the local body. But you ain't gonna do it. Let me tell you why, because you don't want to get tied down. You could teach the class, but you're not gonna teach it because you don't want to get tied down. Let, let, let me tell you something. You could get committed in your tithing, but you don't want to teach, you don't wanna get committed in your tithing because you don't want to get tied down. What we need more than ever before is devotion and discipline. We need some devoted, sold out people of God, living sacrifices, presenting themselves sacrificially to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am, just like Isaiah, send me, take me and use me, God. And I'm going to tell you something, like I keep telling you, folks, this is not grievous to you. It's glorious to you. There's nothing like being used to the Lord. There's nothing like working in the body. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I get tired in the work of the Lord, but I don't don't ever get tired of the work of the Lord. Because what I do for the kingdom of God echoes throughout all eternity. Jesus said what I do for the kingdom of God, this message I'm preaching to you, I'm laying up treasures in heaven, praise God. And the treasures I have in heaven, thieves can't break through and steal it. Moss can't get to it and rust won't get to it. It's eternal. What we do for the body of Christ will echo throughout eternity. Never forget that. It echoes throughout eternity and it changes today. For you, for your family, for everybody. Man, we need some good church men and church women who are committed, devoted, disciplined to be what God wants. So he says that all of us are different, many members being one body. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. The word prophecy means to speak the word of the Lord. So I think he's actually talking about preaching there, I believe. So, so what he's saying is, some have the gift of Preaching. Some do. Some have the gift of ministry or the gift of service. I love being around give, people with the gift of, of, of ministry, the gift of service. I'm talking about, listen, they have that servant's heart and they're just ready to do whatever needs doing in the body. Boy, we need some people with the heart of ministry, the heart of service, that gift of the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference. He says, then, or he that, on exo- on, that exhorteth on expert- exhortation. What does it mean to exhort? To encourage. Isn't, isn't it funny to you that the, the same list of gifts that lists preaching has right beside it, encouragement. Every gift is important. There is no gift that is better than any other gift. But God uses everyone with differing gifts in one body to accomplish His purpose, and that's an amazing thing. See, right now, y'all see my feet working. Y'all hear my mouth working. But what you don't see is my liver working. Now I'm glad my liver's working right now. Right? You don't see it. I don't even feel it. But it's working. If it wasn't working, I'd be in bad shape. Now listen to me, folks. Just because you don't have a showy gift, maybe you don't have the gift of teaching. Maybe you don't have the gift of preaching. Maybe you do have the gift of ministry. Service. That may not be a showy gift. People may not see what you do, but let me tell you something. Never ever forget God sees what you do. Every act of service, every selfless act, God keeps a right record. Amen. He loves you. He wants to use you. Nobody else may see it, but you're important to the body. I'm telling you. Each and every gift, each and every member, you're important. We need you. We need one another. He says then, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. See, some people's got the gift of giving. Now you say, well, Brother Israel, I don't have enough money to give. Let me share something to you. Listen. Some of the greatest givers are the poorest people. Matter of fact, usually, I'm not saying always, not always the case, but usually those who have the most money are the most stingy with it. It's funny how that works. But I'll tell you this when you've got a man of God, a woman of God, whom God has blessed, and they realize they've been blessed to be a conduit through which the blessing of God flows. You're not a cul de sac, as Tony Evans says. It don't flow into you and never leave. You're a conduit. Through the walls of this church right now, <laughs> there's conduit running everywhere. And through that conduit runs wires. So we have those wires when we, that's, that's connected to the light switch and to the power box and the breaker box and to these lights. And so whenever you flip that uh, switch on, these lights come uh, on and, and we're able to have service. But there has to be that conduit through which the power flows to make everything work. You are called, I am called as the people of God to be a conduit through which the blessing of God flows. And when you've got that, God can work in a church. I'm not talking about just giving money. I'm talking about giving time. I'm talking about giving talent and your treasure. But let's just talk about money while we're here. Do you know if everybody tithed, we wouldn't have to worry about no money. The Southern Baptist Convention says it like this, about 18% of the local Southern Baptist church ties, 18%. We're getting a lot done with 18%. What could we do if everybody got their heart right with Jesus and started giving like they need to give? Hey, what could we do through our ministry in Cuba if we could do that? What could we do? through the cooperative program, if we could do that? What could we do in this community if we could do that? What could we do in meeting the needs of others as God gives us direction by the Word of God and shows us our duty by the Spirit of God? What could we do if we had the resources to do it with? Hey, we could pay off buildings. Amen. We need to be doing that. Maybe God's given you the gift of giving so that we can do that. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I'm just saying, He's given us all differing gifts and put us together for His honor and His glory. So, you need to participate willfully. Find your shape. You say, Brother, I just don't know if I'm a teacher. Let me tell you how you can find out. Try it. Try it. We need some teachers. Try it. Step out on faith. Brothers, I just don't know if I have the gift of ministry. Try it. Try serving this week. Hey, find somebody that needs help and help them. Brothers, I just don't know if I've got the gift of encouragement. Try it. Man, we live in a world that is discouraged and fearful and, oh, they're just. I look on people's faces daily. This world needs Jesus, man. People are down and out and worried sick and they've watched CNN to the point they think the world's on fire. Turn off your stinking TV. Enjoy your family. Go outside and go for a walk. Enjoy life. Amen? Encourage someone. Reach out to someone. Be the body of Christ. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. I know I've kept you a while. It's hard to get this horse in the barn this morning. (laughs) Once you let him out, he's, but I'm done. Have you found your shape? Have you found your serve? Have you discovered your ministry? If not, if not, there's all kinds of different ways that you can serve and need to serve in this church. Hey, we've got kids everywhere, and I'm thankful for that, but we need people to teach them. Hey, we've got kids everywhere, and I'm thankful for it. We need some nursery workers. We need some um, children's church workers. We've got ministry going right here in in our community. We've got ministry going across the globe. We need people who are willing to give. We need some encouragers. We need people with gifts of the Spirit. You've got one. He's giving it to every man to find out what they're gifted in and get busy in the body. Find you served this morning. Serve the Lord and be blessed is my prayer. Everybody stand together. We are going to have an invitation this morning, and I'm just asking that you just be submissive to the will of God the Holy Spirit. I don't know what God said to your heart and mind this morning. I know what he said to mine. I'm I'm so thankful for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you? When God says, this needs to change or that needs to change, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I've been convicted. God spoke to my heart. Maybe he spoke to yours. Let me ask you, Do you have discipline and devotion in being that living sacrifice that God has called us to be, has asked us to be? One thing that amazes me about Romans 12 and 1 is that it's almost like God's prayer to us. See, we beseech God all the time through our prayers. He beseeches us in Romans 12 and 1. Now, let me ask you something. If I won't listen to God's prayer to me, Why should he listen to my prayer to him? You ever thought about that? Paul said, I beseech you. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I beseech you. I'm asking you. Be a living sacrifice. Make a difference. Make a difference inside these four walls and outside these four walls. Be submissive to God's will. Get direction from God's word. Perform your duty by God's power. If you've never yet been born again, I encourage you right now to trust in Jesus as your personal Savior. I can show you how you, how you do that. I, I can't save you, and again, walking this aisle don't save you, and being in this church house don't save you. But I can show you through the Word of God what it means to trust in the same Jesus I've trusted in. If you can change my life, He can change yours. So I'm asking you to come. Maybe you just want to come pray for a lost loved one. Maybe we'll come pray about your ministry, whatever it is. Maybe you want to come and make a fresh commitment to be devoted to what God's called you to, whatever it is. I don't know. You do. I'm asking that God is showing you right now. So however you need the Lord today, you come. I'm going to pray for you. This invitation is yours. Father, we love you.